Welcome. I hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy. These are conversations I'm calling Disorganized Religion. God bless. And for those atheists out there, may nothing await you after this life. Here we go. I think we're in. Oh, I like how Zoom gives me the option of leaving the meeting because it's being recorded. (laughs) Oh, is that a thing? I thought about it. I saw it. You almost left. I was like, what the fuck is Seth trying to pull here? Josh almost took off. Let's see if that helps or not. I don't know. Warm All right. light. Warm light. Warm light. We're trying to look a little less ghostish. Show off with these, uh, with these diplomas, with all your wife's diplomas behind you. My wife, get out of here. You can, <laughs> your you wife's can, accolades. Do, do I need to move the screen so you believe me? Uh, Look at that. Boom. You're, is it, you gotta, there's T. Lawrence there. There's quite a lot of uh, degrees you need to get to become a nanny. Look at that, man. Yeah, they're up in the requirements for child care. Are those all your stay at home dad? Uh, (laughs) Boom. I don't know if you notice I'm the best comedian, but I am. Oh, ah, fuck. I don't have, I don't have my mug in here right now. I was (laughs) was drinking out of my, so this, you're actually, the third podcast I'm doing today. Wow. This has been packed for you today, huh? Well, the first one technically wasn't a podcast. The first one was a Q&A for the film, which is why I had the film background loaded. Yeah, it looks great. That I did this morning, which is like essentially what a podcast is today. It was a Zoom call right. with the festival that we're in. Yeah. So you're in another festival. My genius. Yeah, we're uh, over 20 now. Wow. Good for you. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, let me, before we go any farther or further, since it's not an actual distance, uh, before we get any further into this conversation, welcome to Disorganized Religion. I am Seth Lawrence, the host as always, and I am joined by our first second time guest, a fantastic comedian, the director of a beautiful documentary called Mentally Al, the one, the only, the mighty Josh Edelman. I'm the first, I'm the first repeat guest. First repeat guest, my man. I, and 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 only as I should be, as you were the first repeat guest on Quarantine. I figured it was only cordial to uh, to make the offer mutual. Well, it's good, it's good to be here. Yeah, well, thank I you was, for joining us. I, I was thinking about religion. Um, yeah, actually, earlier today. Yeah, I want to talk about how if your beliefs at all have changed over quarantine. But what were you thinking about with religion? Well, I was just thinking, you know, people, uh, you know, got, going down this road early on with you always feels like a mistake. <laughs> but I was thinking about how, um, how like people are like, how could religious people, yeah, like Trump? But then I was like, it totally sure. makes sense to me that religious people like Trump because religious people like like choose to blindly have faith in something absurd with no logic. And that's what like liking Trump is. It's it's like it's like Trump says hydrochloroquine and you're like, yeah, all the scientists say no, but I choose yeah. to believe that that's religious mentality. I that's mean religion. It is and it isn't. I think the real religious people don't support Donald Trump because they think he's religious or they think he's some higher moral authority. That's, that's mostly why people believe in, in God is it's not just baseless fantasy belief. It's, it's a hope. It's a hope in something better. 
it's like a moral authority for like people that like aren't able to do morals without it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I obviously disagree, but I well, I won't. I, mean, I would definitely yeah. won't go as far as to say I'm the best person I know, but I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm one of the better people I know. Yes. Yes. And uh <laughs> but you you were raised Jewish and don't you not harbor any Jewish theological belief anymore? No, it is true. I actually I do I do think about I do think about Judaism a decent amount. I think uh yeah. of religions Judaism's one of the better ones. What makes it the better ones? Cuz there's no hell. Well, that one that that helps, you yeah. know. It's like it's like how much how much of like some of these religions is 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 like acting out of this fear of this thing, but it is a rat like like irrationally following these rules to a T and not believing in any mm. amount of like knowing what right and wrong is, but like out of this pure fear of this thing, as opposed to promoting being good for, mm. for the sake of being good. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think most religions, when practiced, preached correctly, focus on it's always better to be good for the sake of being good rather than doing a good or right thing and bemoaning it or begrudging it the entire time. But I've always appreciated that that there's a big aspect in Judaism of asking questions, of, of mm. legitimately questioning the religion. And on Passover... Like the like the like the centerpiece of the whole seder mm-hmm. is the four questions. That's like the big one where like the kid asks the questions about what's the point of all this. Right. Um, uh, I mean, it's all written, so you know, people follow script. But so they, right, so but they generally, cheat. but generally, yeah. it promotes questioning. I mean, like you know, I'll, I think I talked about this on the first time I was on when I was yeah. um, when I was in Hebrew school. Um, one of the things we did for my like Jewish confirmation. This is like post bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. But um our rabbi took us to like get spoken to by multiple different priests and like and like uh a Buddhist priest or whatever that would be called. Yeah. Uh, uh like an imam. That's not Buddhism, a, but yeah, but but like a bunch of different religions. Yeah telling us about their religion and honestly yeah. kind of trying to hard sell it to us. Uh, but you oh. can't hard sell the best hard sellers in the bits. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> right. Can't bullshit a bullshit. I, although I was very attracted to Buddhism. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's not a hell in Buddhism either. Right. I don't know. Uh, is, uh, don't they believe in reincarnation? Do you not oh, remember? Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which, which is also interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I believe in reincarnation. I think resurrection really? is a type of reincarnation, right? Mm. Well, the most perfect kind resurrection. of resurrection. Because it's true. What? See, I, part of me wanted, like, you know, I've, I've read things about people claiming that Trump is like the, is the second coming of Christ. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, no. I'm like, but, but you say, you say no, but I'm like, yeah, but if somebody died yeah. and then came out of the ground, you know, it, it, that's like very, you know, pet cemetery. And Trump sure. is kind of like pet cemetery Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he's it's like, what if Jesus yeah. were evil? Right, right. That would be Satan. So that would be we sort very, of have that already. Much, very that would much be so Lucifer. Like, you know, the resurrection, you know, people, you, you know, you don't, 
you hear resurrection, you think, oh, he's going to come back. He's going to be this good guy. No, he's going to come back. He's going to be a monster. <laughs> he's, he's, he died. He's, he's... That's awful. He's, well, I mean, my, <laughs> my second coming of Jesus is your first coming of Jesus. Um, right? It's I your... thought one of the points of Jesus was that he didn't come. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but wait. You're making a sexual was, joke right now? Yeah, yeah. Was <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, but like according to the Bible, you know, I've never read that nonsense. But according the to- The New Testament part. You've read the Torah oh, yeah. part. The, yeah. yeah, that part, that part's great. Yeah, we share uh, that in common. Sure. It's fantastic. Um, but no, no, no. But, but Jesus yeah. hasn't been resurrected yet. According to truth? Yeah, he no. has. He has. Yes, that's so that's what we book, believe. What's the story of the resurrection? Okay, where was he? What happened over the three days that he was gone? He was only gone for three days, and then he came back. Correct. And then what did he do during the three days? About this during the three days or after the three days? So the but New wait. Testament covers a, a few appearances that he has back in Jerusalem in the old country, where he comes back. He first appears to Martha in the garden and she has gone to visit his tomb she is the first or mary sorry i said martha mary is the first to go back and uh sees that the the stone has been rolled away from mother his tomb. or or the prostitute the uh po- potentially the prostitute okay. it's not the mother it's not the mother mary it is the supposed prostitute mary i don't know that they ever prove that it's the same person but i think Traditional thought is that it is the same person. The mom is also the prostitute. No, 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 no. They're both named Mary, but oh, the Mary, oh, oh, oh. like the Mary, <laughs> the Mary that comes back to the tomb. I was going to say the prostitute. If the Mary, Virgin Mary was also the prostitute Mary. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not no longer so suspicious. <laughs> Suddenly you're on board. Baby, how this baby <laughs> happened? Terrible. No, those are different people. So and there's then, the and then that creates a whole Oedipal element. To yeah, everything. yeah. Then you get real complicated. Um, the the guy couldn't come up with two names. Well, no. I mean, there are a few female names in the New was Testament. That, was that like just some of the sexism of like Babylon I think, at that time? It was yeah, just it was just like just every girl's keep... like you're you're Mary. Right. Well, Mary we was the Peter, Karen. We got Pauls. We got Joseph. Yeah. And every girl walking around is just Mary. Well, it's like today, Karen. It's a substitute for every woman that fits a certain type. So Mary was that. Mary but is. Mary seems to be this wide variety of both person who gets pregnant without having sex. Sure. And then person who doesn't get pregnant while having the most sex. <laughs> well, I mean, perhaps so. Perhaps so. But, you know, so there are some theologians or some biblical scholars that think Jesus was married to Mary. The prostitute Mary. Uh, they, some theologians say they were married. Well, that's the whole, that's like the whole, you know, thing that almost got Scorsese canceled. Yeah, I was going to say, you're a huge fan of Scorsese. I think that movie is brilliant. I I watched it for Ryan and uh, Jordan's podcast, The Cable Show. I'd never seen it before. It's a, it's a fantastic film. And I think all of it. blasphemous. So that's, that, that was on first like when I first watched it after ruminating on it, I decided that it was not blasphemous, but at first go, that was my initial knee jerk reaction was, wow, this is kind of blasphemous. But 
the way I took what Scorsese was doing in that end was Jesus had a full life in his mind and still went through with the sacrifice. We see to me, to me, yeah. I mean, you you almost get at what, what I think makes the movie so brilliant and so much more powerful than like, yeah. Mel Gibson's, you know, passion porn, torture porn, Jesus, <laughs> the very Catholic, <laughs> Catholic Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, that the whole point is, it's like, you know, what is martyring yourself? Martyring yourself mm. is sacrificing. Yeah, the full life that, like, that, like, you get to lead, like, right. like the 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 highs and lows and the lows that bring the highs of life, the joys, the frustrations, right. love, hate, right. the, all the emotions that like make life beautiful and worth living. Uh, yeah. Says like this, this is what he sacrificed. Yeah. He sacrificed a wife. He sacrificed kids. He sacrificed friendship and old age and all of this yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, the bigger sacrifice. Right. And it actually, I mean, he, the way he portrays it hits on my personal thought about the atonement because, so my, what is taught in, in my faith is and Christ. And like nails going through his hand and stuff in the movies. You see that. Yeah. You see that. You get a little bit of gore. <laughs> There's a bit of blood and gore. And, um, but we, we believe that Christ perfectly understands everybody right so he knows all of our trials and our issues and that's what makes him the perfect mediator between us and god and scorsese i think hits on sort of what i envision the atonement to have been in part was this supernatural and mystical ability that christ had to experience everybody's life i mean that's just a personal thing that i have and so to see scorsese hit on that but just for jesus the life he could have had uh, was incredibly poignant to me. And like you say, that's the, that is Jesus's sacrifice. I think in, 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 uh, in one aspect. And also, I mean, that's, uh, that's sort of the beauty of, of, of like all of Scorsese's work. And I think what, what is so interesting, I think what's so interesting about his work in general, because he's dealing, he's often dealing with like gangsters and criminals yeah. and, and these dark people. And I, and, you know, I think what's, what's religious about his dealings with them is that he, per- he shows you the temptation of being bad. He mm. shows you, he like, like, like Wolf of Wall Street to me is such a brilliant movie because yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, it's like, it's like these are the monsters of the world. These are the people stealing your money and destroying everything. Yeah. Look how much fun it is. Like, don't you kind of want to be enjoying like Jordan <laughs> Belfort's? Like, don't don't yeah. don't act like you don't see what's what's enjoyable right. about living, doing these drugs and having sex with all these different girls and riding these yachts through. Uh, through tornadoes and all of this it's very seductive it looks like tons of fun and yeah. but like to be a truly good person you have to you have to be able to fight off to fight off this temptation yeah. and i think that scorsese's films really like present the temptation of like being a gangster being a criminal it's like to show you like, yeah it's it, it's it's weirdly empathetic with them and then at the same time 
the big criticism of that movie got was that they don't get punished in the end. And yeah. I'm like, but that's that's kind of what's so fucked up about the world is that these <laughs> people don't get punished. Yeah, not always, do they? That's right. The, that's right. what makes it that's what makes the movie if if they got punished at the end, you'd leave the theater like at least they got in trouble. Yeah. You know, you'd leave the theater angry that these people get away with it and then look around the world and say, like, yeah, get away but with you know, they don't always in Martin Scorsese's films get away with it. He's not. No, but in that one. In that, in that one, one, they do. Yes. That's why I think that movie is really the movie of the decade. Ah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Because that's what we witness now almost every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Just like Mnuchin saying, like, we're not going to tell you who we gave $500 billion to. <laughs> I mean, okay. It's really none of our business. so he shouldn't have to tell us at all uh tell us about your film mentally al what drew you to the project i mean i know that he's your favorite comedian but uh maybe why why is he your favorite comedian maybe you can get it tied into religion he's very jewish yeah (laughs) he's the ultimate jew still Uh, believing and practicing or is he like culturally just very jewish well i think what's what's interesting about al is al's almost like Al reminds me a lot of like Socrates in a way. Okay. He's, he's kind of like this frustrating guy who questions everything. And like, I feel like Socrates was like a, like a dirty old homeless guy. <laughs> yeah. I was going <laughs> to say walking many, around, walking many, around frustrating. People. How many kids followed Al around? Uh, a lot. One. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you, you did. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just I mean, just an interesting story about uh, uh, about what it really means to chase your dreams. I think, like you know, very interesting because, like, you think that being great will be will be enough. That if you're great, mm. that can like if you're truly great. Yeah, and here's a guy who is truly great. I mean, in yeah. my opinion, he's my favorite comic. Um, yeah, at least up, at least top five, if not, if not, if not number one, but sure. you know, it's like, it's, and I, I, I give him extra credit for being like my favorite comic that people haven't heard of because it's just more fun. Now, oh right? yeah. Like he's uh, yeah, personal like, to you. I like, I like Al Lubel. Have you heard of him? <laughs> yeah. Your eclectic, <laughs> like jazz repertoire of. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, um, but so so he's like, he's a genius. And, and I mean, you know, we got interviews with incredible people in the doc and they'll tell you that he's, he's yeah. Andy Kindler. And it says he's, he's his favorite comedian is Al. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, you know, like, again, while he's not super well known, it's like whenever somebody had heard of him there, every reaction was always like, I saw that guy like 10 years. It was the funniest that I'd ever seen in my life. Hmm. So he's like an undeniable genius to me. Yeah. Not for everyone, but mainly just not for dumb people um, is, is basically what I put it. So uh, do you feel like he's like an Andy Kaufman? I, well, it's funny. You know, I said to Al once, I'm like, you're like Andy Kaufman meets Jerry Seinfeld, uh-huh. which he said, and apparently that combination leads to no success. <laughs> that's the other aspect of it so al you know became a lawyer yep graduated like i don't know if he graduated top school, but he was like the president of his law school graduated honors and everything and uh left law Mm -hmm. to become a stand-up comedian and i you know there's a moment in the film towards the end where he 
meets up with like his best friend from law school and they just hang out and reminisce and his friend's got like this big house and this family and all this stuff sure. and like sleeping on people's couches and and yeah you know, struggling to get by but like you know there's this admiration and this love that his friend has for him and it really like it's weird because like Al definitely, I feel, couldn't have been happy being a lawyer. He needed to be what he became. Yeah. Uh, but but it's 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 I think the very struggle. It's the very question we have to ask ourselves. It's the very risk we all take when we make that decision to become a filmmaker, a comedian, an actor, a creative. And, yeah. You know, throw caution to the wind and become this very daring to pursue this very daring dream yeah. versus going the route where it's like you know building blocks to yeah the sellout to, yeah look at you you're sitting in front of all your sellout route as uh trying to become a comedian yourself yeah 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 no i mean so far so far al and i have followed the exact same path fake lawyer fake <laughs> comedian <laughs> yeah um so you know i think uh, on on one level, it's about what it means to chase your dreams. On another another level, it's a character study of this incredibly unique guy yeah. who um, has all these, who's like, who's really like, you know, he he's not, he doesn't have an out drinking problem. He doesn't have a drug problem. Mm. Like he's only got like a neurosis problem. That's been like okay. the thing in his way. And it's like this examination of this guy who the only thing stopping him is himself. Right, um, and then and then on top of that, it's also just kind of an intimate look at what it is to be a career road comic who's not Jerry Seinfeld, who's not yeah. Joe Rogan, yeah. like just what it looks like to live life on the road in hotels, playing one night to like a packed house at uh, 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 Atlantic City Amphitheater to the next day performing for five people in the back of a restaurant right uh, yeah so it's it's uh so it's like you can get you can you can watch the, you can like the film from the aspect of like this character study yeah you can like it from the question of what does success mean and what does it look like to pursue your dreams and what's the other side of it the not so glamorous side and then there's yeah. also just like the what's it like to be a comic yeah so you have all those well and it's a journey film you know it's a it's right a, basically is a road trip movie in a weird way uh, mm-hmm. it's following him from the couch gig to gig. in LA to a bunch of gigs in Atlantic city to visiting his mother in Florida mm. to staying with his uh, old law school friend in Tampa and then f- catching up with him a year later. Got it. Got it. So do you explore, there's often talk at least within the stand-up community about stand-up being the last true meritocracy out there do oh, you explore really? that you or no you don't people, agree you don't think so i mean i feel like i, I think, have heard I, I this think, i think insofar as anything is it's like you know look it's it's there are definitely things that can help you get further faster sure and then at the end of the day you've used all your advantages to get up in the main room at the comedy store, but then you got to make people laugh. So it's a meritocracy in that sense, but like also at the same token, it's like you can use all your advantages to get the money to make a movie. You could like skip, you know, Michael Eisner's son 
Like his first film was like this hundred million dollar uh, adventure called Sahara. Mm-hmm. Where, um, I, th- I think that was his movie. And it was a huge flop that nobody liked it. It was bad. With Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, either that one or 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 the per- King of Persia, maybe it was that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. It was mm. one of those two. Either yeah. way, it was a huge flop. It was like a hundred million dollar disaster. Yeah. It's like great, you could be the kid of the guy who runs Disney, but yeah. you know, once you and get your still... chance, you don't but I'm not getting a hundred million dollars <laughs> to make anything. Well, not out the gate. And I'm not getting yeah. put up on stage at the at the comedy store. Right. Um, right. So so at the end of the day, it's like, but you know, maybe I don't deserve either of those things either. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I, I get what you're saying as far as, you know, there are breaks that you can get. There are people that you can know or advantages you can use to get to certain spots quicker. But I think the way I, I mean, the way I've heard meritocracy used with standup is if you're not funny, you won't be invited back to the show. You know, you won't be selling out theaters if you're not, if you don't have it, you know? I, I can think of some people. <laughs> <laughs> may, maybe, may, may yeah. have been canceled, may have been canceled today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Um, but, uh, but hey, you know, here's the beauty of standup. The beauty of standup is, you know, you don't need money to do standup. Right. You know, all you need is, all you need is a voice. Yeah. All you need is, and I've even seen people who can't talk that bring someone with them to talk for them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You don't even necessarily yeah. need that. You need um, a way to communicate original thought. That's you all you need. a way to communicate original thought. And if you're funny, you know, something can happen for you. Right, right. If you're, you know, you'll, you'll get further faster being funny or a hot girl. <laughs> Terrible. How dare you say that? Or being famous. <laughs> You know, you could be famous in some hey, other you know what? aspect. I say, I, say, I say that. I say that at the same time. I'll say that uh, a very interesting thing I found is that so many of my favorite comics at our level on the scene, a little bit ahead of us, a little bit behind. Well, yeah. Me, 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 me. I don't want uh, oh, to. <laughs> right. Way ahead of me. Way ahead of me. A little uh, ahead of you. We get a lot, it. A lot of, a lot of them... A lot of them are, are females. I'd yeah. say I'd say I'd say the interesting thing is if I see a girl and a or a guy get up on stage, the girl is more likely to be funny. Mm. And I think a big part of that is not that I think trust me, I don't think women are funnier than men. Uh, <laughs> but I don't necessarily think men are funnier than women either. But I think yeah. that if you're a girl who's getting up on stage to do stand up. I think that that the nature of society has put you in a place where you probably believe in yourself a lot more for a very specific reason yeah. to give yourself the courage to do that than some guy who believes in himself for no reason. He's just a guy who's fearless and he's getting up on stage because yeah. the world Yeah, because he had a couple out. drinks and his friends dared him to. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Now, there's a self-selection bias when it comes to the female comedians, which is good. So, I think it's great. Lot, you know, uh, I, I I don't know if this is true, but I feel like I was booking more girls on Gripe Juice when I was doing my uh, when I was doing my brunch show than I was guys. I, I don't know if that's the case. Um, but we'll have to I, examine I the data. I was, always, I was always just booking people to book people I thought were funny. I wasn't yeah. even thinking about that. I think it's just yeah. Funny. I think that's a better way to think about shows as opposed to oh, I have a lineup. I need one woman or I need one 
you know, black guy or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, how, how do you explore Al's Judaism in the film as well? Or is that just who he is? He's he's pretty, uh, you're not falling into temple then or anything, huh? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think Al, I don't want to speak for him, but I I believe Al's probably somewhere in the vein of agnostic like me. Mm -hmm. Religion isn't a dominant factor in his life or his thinking. I think he very much is Jewish. I think, uh, you know, I've often wondered like certain things about, like, like I wonder about the self-selection, you know, there's, there's this idea of like the neurotic Jew. Yeah. Generally speaking, you know, lots of my Jewish friends, myself included, Al included, uh, are Jewish and neurotic. Yeah, and, um, well, it's because you have I, so many rules to follow. Well, I've wondered if it has to do, I've always wondered if it has to do with the fact that, like, you know, the neurotic Jews were the ones during the Holocaust were like, I don't know about this guy. Let me, let me get out of here. <laughs> You're going more Darwinist. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying. Yeah, the they survived. Like, nah, nothing to worry about. We're all going to be fine. They're, yeah, the New Jersey saying, Jews. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm staying right here. They got to drag me out in a pine box. For example, me, yeah. myself, you know, the day Trump got elected, I called my parents and I was like, I'm moving to New Zealand. And they were <laughs> right. like, and they were like, don't be ridiculous, John. But had yeah. I moved to New Zealand, I would be laughing all the way to the open disease-free bank right now. <laughs> I mean, so my maybe, neuroticism was, was self-preservational, but I wasn't neurotic enough because I didn't do it. Uh, I see. Well, you've also feigned the same threat again. So we'll see what 2021 brings, if, if it's a New Zealander Josh Edelman. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it, it, will you move if Donald Trump wins? Will you move to New Zealand? Are you going to pledge right now to leave all of us alone. If. Uh, I feel like it's going to be hard. You know, I, I keep telling my parents, it's like, I want to, I say, I tell my parents, I'd rather try to get back into the country when Joe Biden wins. Sure. Then try to leave after Trump wins. Yeah. I don't know. It'll probably be about the same, honestly, either way. What do you mean? I mean, I think it'll be just as easy to leave as it would be to come back. Hmm. I will. We'll see. Because I think that, you know, I don't know. There's a part of me that also like feels sort of that like right after the election happens that there's going to be like just a bunch of shoes that drop. Yeah, perhaps. So. I mean, depending on who wins. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens with U.S. currency going forward. I think that I think I think we might I think it might be like November was it November 3rd this year is Election Day. I think so. Yeah, November 4th, the dollar crashes. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just don't think, yeah. We're printing so much fucking money. We're in so much debt right now. We are. We are indeed. It's, I mean, it's, not... It's, it's crazy. Right, but I do think it, it is... It requires the mention that that is not all Donald Trump's fault. Some, sure, but we would be in just as much debt under a Hillary that's, Clinton uh, that's a, as that's we a, would... Uh, What's what's the term I I use all the time? It's counterfactual. A can, yeah, right. It's a false uh, count or a unverifiable counterfactual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all I know is that we're we're fucked right now. Well, <laughs> um, you know, but things, uh, things happen. But we're uh, like, yeah. So so but so so another aspect of that, I think, yeah. I think about um, 
uh, probably get myself in trouble if I if I <laughs> if I don't if I don't phrase all of this stuff correctly. Oh, good. But, yeah. um, but I, I always have a joke that I think of. I think of. Uh, I think of Hollywood as like the NBA for Jews. It's yeah. Just, it's like it's like the 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 popular cool business where our our skill set developed over thousands of years yeah. of oppression has yeah. has benefited us because sure. like what what is neurosis neurosis is fearing the worst case scenario yeah and writing successful creations yeah successful writing yeah. is coming up with what's the worst thing that can happen uh, one of the things I learned in film school or something that like my, one of my writing professors used to preach is that film is chaos. What mm. you're trying to do is trying to create chaos. Mm. So what you're trying to do is come up with like worst case scenarios that cause, uh, that cause problems that need to be solved. And then, and then like build on that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah being neurotic it's like it's like i see trump winning and i'm like uh we're gonna be in a pandemic the dollar's gonna collapse and there's gonna be a race war i right. better <laughs> better go to new zealand i better get to new zealand quick that place seems like the place to go there's yeah. there's there's a like seeing the fabric of worst case scenarios and that's why like you know i think when you see like when you think of like who people's most admired sort of writers are mm-hmm. it, Hollywood not always the case and you know bar- personal personal failures aside but people like Woody Allen or Charlie Kaufman like they're like the most neurotic seeming be- Larry David they're the most yeah. neurotic seeming people in the world because they're a- because they're like frustrated by things they fear things yeah they're, they're constantly like watching like like if I do this it can like tumble into this effect yeah the, that, the that, social that, that, chess that, that, is, that yeah. is dramaturgy Right. Me, so I think, right. Um, so I like the joke that it's the NBA, but it's not like you know other people aren't neurotic. I always find it funny. Yeah. I always find it funny that like, like all of my non-Jewish friends are like the cheapest fucking people I know. <laughs> but like, like I don't want to spend money on one thing. Like, uh, you're Jewing this. You're Jew. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, you, you. I can say from personal experience. The reason that those jokes are made is for that reaction you gave just barely. If I had a nickel, yeah, nickel, yeah, tell us. Cheap Jew joke. I heard yeah. it in the open mic. You wouldn't be a I would Jew try anymore. To keep going to those mics. Yeah, your more cheap Jew jokes. So I continue collecting nickels. Of course. So <laughs> try to get as many nickels as I could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my but, gosh. Uh, so in in uh, when you said in film school, one of your professors told you that you know film is chaos. Um, how did you did you watch Uncut Gems? Loved it. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you loved Softies. how you liked it. You what? Uh, Softy Brothers. I believe they're Jewish. I, I, At least that movie was extremely Jewish. Yeah, and I was going to ask you my follow up to how well you liked the film was how did you feel about the way Jews were portrayed in the film? Accurately. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i lived in new york uh yeah. I, I would like i would 
go through those diamond districts all the time. And those people were, a lot of those people were literal, literal uh, diamond district um, people, sales, salespeople. And yeah. uh, Sandler really captured that character great. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I, uh, and, and talking about film is chaos. God was that movie chaos. Yeah. Like, I mean, like from the moment that movie started, it didn't let you breathe. No. No, they give, no, no, they no. give you a moment to catch your breath. No, it kind of gave you his adrenaline rush. The whole oh time. yeah, I mean, you were it just was... trapped inside of his despair yeah. for like and anxiety. Minutes. I mean, yeah, just you, so anxious about everything. Really made you feel it, which was yeah. I really loved. It was one of my favorite movies last year. Yeah, fantastic film, fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how how has your belief structure, if at all, changed over quarantine? Not really thought about. Maybe I think. Maybe I really think there's no God now. <laughs> <laughs> Just convinced humanity is terrible. <laughs> um, actually, wait. No. What, what's well? There are moments where I'm like, I'm like, whoa. Man, yeah. All this Mayan calendar shit's really, uh, <laughs> really coming true. Well, it's there off. I mean, they're off by like, like 50 what? years at this point. No, but then there's like another article. It's like it's actually supposed to be next week. Oh, jeez. Like Come week. on. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are times where I look at Donald Trump and I do think you are like a biblical villain. I do <laughs> yeah. feel like I'm living in like the cyberpunk chapter of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is very interesting. And, and for me as a religious person, it is, you know, you and I have talked about his photo shoot and how frustrating that was. I think you and I are both, uh, upset about it but perhaps for different reasons a little bit slightly um i was i was more upset that he was even taking a picture uh feigning religion at all mm-hmm. let alone the you know forceful removal of the protesters to do so uh it's it's funny, you know, I was just thinking like, like this is the side, how I was just saying the thing about this being the, the cyberpunk chapter of the Bible. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's like, if we were living in biblical times, if we were living in biblical times, but like Jesus and stuff, we'd be like, ugh, these modern days, these crazy modern, never thought things would ever get to this did we sure sure well you know in <laughs> in defense in stone huts we make them out of stone now come on rarely I mean... rarely do saber-toothed tigers eat anyone anymore never thought we'd get past the saber-toothed <laughs> epidemic <laughs> well you know they did the new testament prophets did believe that the second coming would be very soon would be what would be very soon. You know, they thought it was going to be within their time okay. or at least very shortly after. The second. Boy, uh, okay. So you were telling me, I mean, we need to get back to this. I need to learn about the resurrection. Okay. Because I feel like that nobody fucking talks about. Well, and I think to be fair, no one really knows, uh, you know, mechanically, pragmatically how it works. Because I don't think bodies are going to raise up out of the ground. I think, uh, believing in God being an all-powerful being, being the creator, I don't, I don't see any reason that he would be raising corpses out of the ground. You showed, I, up, more like, you showed up more like Benjamin Button. Like, <laughs> like, 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 right when he got to that, 
right when you got to that like age of being hot and like <laughs> coming through the smoke yeah the, like right yeah. when he's the same age as Kate Blanchett it's like we could fuck now yeah it'll be down <laughs> it'll be down around yes exactly I I envisioned people wearing, like, Jesus was like wearing a trench coat and he had like a sexy haircut and <laughs> just came out. yeah yeah like a light neo um yeah I people I envision people coming down from the heavens in physical form uh you know resurrected so so, ah, so it was like it was like an angel it wasn't a pet cemetery like it wasn't like a hand out of the ground right yeah no <laughs> that's not what i envision ominous ominous violin music playing is jesus i want to make <laughs> would, I, would it be blasphemous if i made holy movie, zombies yeah. if i made a movie about the second coming but jesus is like a a zombie <laughs> i mean i don't know as... what if i told the story exactly like it happens in the bible but i give him like this undead zombie like makeup <laughs> job and like it is like a hand out of the ground type yeah thing. yeah well and, like you know and he's got like he's got like weird like dead person leprosy or like <laughs> yeah 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 where he's flaking Things apart fall, like like that movie my boyfriend's back if you ever saw that in life. <laughs> <laughs> did not. I did not, but I, I have a, a picture in my mind. Uh, I don't think blasphemous would be quite the right word. Um, perhaps just a little disrespectful, but that's fine. What you know, you could make that movie. Two days after the last temptation of Christ. Yeah, I think, I think it would be more interesting to tell that story with the, um, with the apocalypse, with, you know, the... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The rapture. Tell that story uh, for the rapture, or tell the rapture the, the in rapture. that way. What, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain some of the stuff to me. Okay, so wait, what did he do in the some stuff? of this Christian stuff? He hung. Yes. He hung out with Mary. He told her like, yeah. So he still well, okay. around. Yeah, the Bible, the New Testament actually doesn't talk about what he did over the three days that he was gone from the tomb and not in Jerusalem. So he, he appears to Mary. He needed to be put down. He what? <laughs> He's murdering people and needed to be put down like a zombie. <laughs> like a zombie killer. You stop that right now. He, he, uh, we believe that he, so this is where the Book of Mormon comes in for my faith. Uh, we have a record uh, written by, you know, claimed to have been written by prophets in the Americas who see Christ. Christ comes and visits here. Um, he does that after the three days. Uh, and, and we, so during the three days, we get during the three days in Mormon theology from a Latter-day prophet who has a vision about Christ being in heaven and organizing essentially missionary work from two areas. One area that we call spirit paradise, where he organized missionaries to then go to what we call spirit prison to teach those who had not heard of the gospel, the gospel. Ew. You go go get a bunch of Japanese people killed. <laughs> not killed. No, no, not killed. They're already dead. You're teaching the already deceased. And uh, then he comes back to Mary. Mary's the first person that he sees in the garden. She then goes, tells the apostles that she's just seen Jesus. They don't believe her, obviously, because she's a woman. And they run to the tomb, you know, Peter, James, well, now, and John. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> how is that not fair they believed jesus's mom when she said she hadn't fucked anyone <laughs> they weren't there it was not the same men 
Uh, that so they believe her. I don't. I think maybe they didn't believe. Mary. And it wasn't Mary that they believed. Dirty, it was Joseph. Dirty. Joseph is who they believed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so so the 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 you know uh, apostles. The because why apostles, would Joseph? Because why would Joseph not admit to getting laid? <laughs> I mean, come on. It was a different time, Josh. It was a different time. You smashed Mary, Joe? <laughs> no. I didn't, bro. I didn't. It wasn't, if that's I not smashed mine. Mary, I wouldn't be able to keep my <laughs> mouth shut about it. So she must... <laughs> terrible. <laughs> must Just terrible. Uh, Cole Alexander, I don't think I've ever talked about him on this podcast, but he has one of the most blasphemous and hilarious jokes about the Immaculate Conception that I've ever heard. I'm going to have to have him on and he can tell it because oh, I will I mean, be struck. You got you to tell, you got to paraphrase. I probably heard it, but I, don't I will know. be struck by lightning. Well, he says, you know, so Immaculate Conception, like people had to believe that story. So Mary must have been ugly <laughs> because it would be more believable that she be, you know, impregnated by some mysterious force than than Joseph having sex with her. They were more will, you know, it's, she was so ugly that they would not believe Joseph had sex with her. See, I see Joseph as kind of like, Terrible. You know, this, I see Joseph as more like this guy who just, who just will believe anything. Like, like she's just slutting around and Joseph, like, and Joseph like refuses to believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's perfect. She yeah. wouldn't lie. She wouldn't lie to me. The like most the writing, gullible. You're like, Joe, man, I'm uh, Mary. <laughs> he's the 30-year-old. Like, uh, no, she's saving herself. She's telling me that she's saving herself for when we're married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <She's> pure. <laughs> I mean, we need like, to believe women, Josh. All over town. The real truth is Joseph was the most progressive man in history. That's the real truth. He believed women. And I think it's about time he... I think it's about time you did too. But they didn't believe Mary Magdalene. Well, it, again, Joseph was dead at, by that point, and it wasn't the same people. These were apostles. And, you know, anyhow, so they go. Jesus then visits them, and, um, and, and then he tells uh, Peter uh, that he has other sheep that are not of this fold. And he comes to the Americas and visits the people on this continent. And then he's caught back up into heaven where he currently resides, wherever heaven what, is. What year? What do you mean? What year? 33, 34 AD, whatever. So, but, but like in the book, is it, is it indigenous people in the Americas or were they white? <laughs> no, they were indigenous people. Well, now that's an interesting question. There are some verses in the Book of Mormon that talk. So first of all, we believe that the Book of Mormon uh, covers a history of people that were uh, that immigrated from Jerusalem to the Americas. So there were, if you can call people in Jerusalem white, they were white as far as that's concerned when they immigrated to the Americas and then worked to also populate this land. So... Crazy. Okay, so now the rapture. Now, what's what's the deal with that? Because that hasn't. That's like a book about what's gonna happen. Because so Revelation is the book. The book of Revelation is the book that discusses the that's end like of really, times. That's, like, that's the Trump book. <laughs> sure, that's the Trump book. 
That's, that's the book. Yeah, you cannot wait for. It. Yeah, this is where you get all the apocryph, like all of the, uh, you know, the the three headed beast and the the six six six. All this comes from the book of Revelation. Because I believe that there's a there are a lot of apocalypse Trump voters. There's a lot of like like he's he's gonna bring he's this is this is the rapture guy right here. Maybe so. The rapture is supposed to be a glorious moment where the righteous are caught up and the wicked are left. That is technically the rapture. So we're just, we're not, we're not like viciously killed in hell. Just like the good people just like fly up into the sky. Yeah. They're caught up. However, that's done. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Whoever's left on the earth, they are caught up. Then Satan is allowed to reign on this earth because all the righteous are gone. He's allowed wonder, to reign for wonder, a time. I wonder if then, the rapture, I wonder if the whole caught up thing, I wonder if it's just Twitter. <laughs> like who's, mean, been, who's oh, been left, who's been left behind? Whoever Twitter, tw- whoever Twitter decided was left behind. <laughs> if you didn't get destroyed by Twitter, you yeah. were the righteous one. If Twitter oh, didn't man. get you, man, you weren't raptured. So speaking of Twitter and who is gone on after Twitter, look at look at the the swag I'm supporting. Can you tell? Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Oh 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 oh! Harry Potter. Yeah, baby. You saw her <laughs> recent scandal on Twitter, I suppose. No comment. Um. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna move right on from that. It only tied into the Twitter stuff. I did have a I did have a good joke that I riffed one day about that. About JK? Yeah, I can't I can't remember. It was like it was like, you know. Was it she should sign all of her tweets, JK? No, it was something about uh it was like it was a Harry Potter hmm. joke that I'd come up with about the trans stuff, but I can't remember it. Maybe something like for a person who made up an entire world based on magic, you can't believe in science, something like that. No, I think I wrote a draft. I'll have to look back at my. We're just going to sit here and wait until you think of it. Um, here, keep keep talking. I'll look at my notes to see so, if I it down. Yeah, I what I want to know, Josh, is how will you react after you die and you realize I've been correct this entire time, and God is there waiting to welcome you with open arms. What what are the first words you say to him? It was I, I just read it. It wasn't good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go go on. Repeat that question. Uh, so. What happens, what I want to know is what happens when, when you die and you realize that I've been right this entire time? What are your first words? Well, that was, that was the only joke I liked from the Louis special, from the, the new Louis special. Ah, uh, remind me, remind he's me. Just like, he's just like, he's like, ugh, imagine dying and finding out religion is real. That'd be the worst. It's like, ugh, he's got the beard and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you thought about that though well, that, you thought, that, what if what if it is real? that's that's pascal's wager yeah um but yeah, but, but i mean pascal pascal's wager is dumb because like pascal's wager there was like 
Christianity or nothing. Well, um, as far as as far as the world was concerned, yeah, he, um, he had a pretty limited understanding. But I mean, you can just broaden it out. Either religion's real or it's not. So therefore, what do you do? Well, here's here's how I see it. Here's how I see it. Okay, yeah. go. The way I see it is, I believe that there's true like like morality. Okay, and I go, I go. That comes. I from do God. my God. best. I do my best yeah. to be a moral person. Yeah. And if just being a moral person yeah. isn't enough to prevent me from condemnation, if the truth of it is that you have to choose to believe this absurd thing in order, like, then I guess that's that. Then the world, then everything is sucks and bullshit anyway. <laughs> then I don't want to be a part of your club. Well, you know, my, I have a joke. I say, I say, like, like if you have to be Christian to get into heaven, that yeah. means heaven's full of nothing but a bunch of Christians. And I don't really like Christians that much. Yeah. So the idea of spending eternity with nothing but them sounds like my own personal hell. Right. Um, <laughs> right. 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 So it's like, so there's yeah, there's is... my logical fallacy to any religion. Like, like yeah. if if being if being like a like a blow yourself up. Uh, terror, like terror. Not, I'm not. I'm not saying Muslim, all Muslims are this. Oh boy. But if, oh boy. But if in order, but if in yeah. order to get into Muslim heaven, you have to prove yourself so dedicated, all that you like. Do what you want to spend time with a bunch of people that blew themselves up. And I'm saying, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like the most, the most extreme, you know, the most extreme Jews to me, like the yep. the or the Hasidic. Like, yeah. This is like if you have to if if I'm a, if, I, if the only way for me to get into heaven is, is to, to not take a hundred steps, and that means I have to spend yeah. the rest of my life with a bunch of hostages, send me to fucking hell. <laughs> but hell doesn't exist for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what's so what's so what's it matter whether or not I believe in God? <laughs> well, <laughs> if, I, if I don't even so. have the punishment of hell. I don't yeah. not. I don't not. I mean, I could tell you what I kind of believe in. Yeah. What is that? Um, I just think we're like a. Like, like, I just think we're, if I, if I were to, if I had to answer, if you're like, what do you think is the most logical reality you can come up with for what we are? Yeah. I think that we are like a microbe on a cell that is planet earth and we're either killing it or keeping it alive and planet earth is just a cell amongst all the other planets, which are nothing but just cells inside of something much larger that we couldn't even conceptualize in the same fashion as a red blood cell in our body couldn't conceptualize us on the outside of it. Yeah. So I'm like, so if I'm, so I think that there is logic within that to do things to kind of create a better world and try and keep this earth alive. And that is our job by virtue of the nature of like, this construct mm-hmm. and that i think that like you know people say that humans are cancer i think that more almost more like the you know the red blood cells and white blood cells and things like that it's like there's there's cancerous humans and there's non-cancerous humans and there's and there's like a it's like a psychological thing more mm-hmm. than more than anything having to do with anything physical and that we're in this weird existential war to simply keep the earth alive um yeah uh, and, yeah uh, and and what do you think happens to us when we die under that model i mean do we just unknowable 
Yeah. Probably just <laughs> just nothing. <laughs> just yeah, probably probably just nothing. Interesting. All right. I mean, you know, like on one sense that's that's scary, and another sense. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I've <laughs> talked to some. You know, I've I've talked to you know Michael Rogelio, who is uh, who is atheist and has the same thought. You know, there's nothing. Brian Matthews is another one. Well, just, there's that's nothing. That's just me answering like what I could come up with as my most logical answer right. for what the meaning of all of this is. Yeah. Which, is, and I'm, which like you, you start to think about it and you'll get depressed because it's just so absurd to even try well, to conceptualize. Well, well, what I'm saying though is for Brian, for Michael, I think for a lot of people out there who are atheist who, or even agnostic and believe there's nothing afterward, it's not as depressing as I find it for them because they believe, no, you just got to make this life since it's all you're going to be conscious of. You have to make this life count. So, you know, and, and, they believe, you know, Michael answered this exact question, which was, well, I'm good because it's better and I feel better and everyone's happier when we are good. So you don't need necessarily God telling you what is right and wrong. You just do what is best for yourself and those around you. Yeah, sort of, (laughs) sort of. I mean, again, it's like, I don't need religion to give me my morality. I think that, like, like, but like, you know, again, I want to say that, like, that's my my most logical philosophy. There's still less than 1% chance I'm right. Um, Right, sure. uh, That's correct. And, And I think by that means, again, it's so absurd that we exist at all just mm. it's the the level of 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 trying to reason why yeah. it is that any of this even is yeah it's just so absurd that it's just like it, it it's pointless to try and figure it out well unless unless i i agree with you i think it is absurd to think random chance created us this way but if you believe in a creator or a God or a force that there's intrinsic value to human like, beings. That feels like an answer. That just feels like an answer we came up with when the best thing we can invent was the wheel. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think there's more ingrained. There's something natural about that answer. There is something innate in us that, that believes in that answer. And I don't think it's illogical hope. It's I don't think it's delusion. It's, pre, it's pre-science. What even what what does that even mean pre-science you think i mean you think you we can know, prove there's no god you want to know a weird, you, you want to know a weird movie that i think has a lot of a weird movie to think has a lot of actual deep philosophy in it even though it's a much maligned real genius no well actually it's an interesting movie but yeah. um but uh, uh prometheus alien covenant oh i've never even heard of this you never heard of these movies? There I've never blockbusters no. that came out in the past couple of years. Ridley Scott movies. They're uh-huh. technically prequels to Alien. Okay. Um, but basically, it's like there are these creators who created humans. Then humans create artificial intelligence robots. Then the artificial intelligence creates the aliens, and mm. it's like this this line of like creating a, a further evolved thing for yourself. I think like it's like it's it's an interesting concept that almost like God may have been a less evolved 
version of humans that created us in the same way that we may create uh the next great further thing, evolved. robots or like, something. Like if, we cre- if we create artificial intelligence, are we not the god of artificial intelligence? Are we not the mm. creator of, of... Yeah, of I see what you're thing? saying. Like, are we not its god? Like, what is god other right. than our creator? Right, right. Uh, Interesting, yeah. So, so it's... it's uh, I think there's a lot of brilliant, uh, underappreciated philosoph- philosophical concepts in those movies which are also just a wild ride and have cool visual effects and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but there are a lot, a lot of people don't like those movies, but I think they're really hmm. um, Well, we're going to have to wrap up here, but I want to give you a chance to ask me. This season I'm doing something called, a uh, segment called What's the Deal with Mormons, where I give the guest an opportunity to ask whatever they want about my beliefs, uh, either personally I think I or I just do this ahead of time. altruistically. I should have I should have sent you this in advance, but you know, when you get me on as your first three time guest, because come on, Seth. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, who I mean, compares who gives you guesting like this? I know. This is you your prime time. Your prime time, baby. And I'm happy <laughs> to have you back for a third time. Uh and you can pepper me with all the Mormon questions you have. I just didn't know if there was some on your mind now that you wanted to ask or not. Um, is there something, is there, have I ever, is there anything I'm curious about Mormonism? I guess I'm just, I'm just curious and like, like in all honesty, in all honesty. Yeah. Oh boy. How much do you truly believe it in your heart? Uh, I mean, a hundred percent. What do you, (laughs) what do you mean though by that question? Like, 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 like you're like, you're like, it's just John Smith. Joe Joseph he, Smith. Joe yeah. Joe Smith. Yeah. He went in his room and God talked to him. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I do. I believe that. I believe that. Why? I, I, I first of all, God did not go in his room, but yeah, yeah. the point is well taken. Yes, I do believe that Joseph Smith had a vision uh and that called him to be the 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 prophet of the restoration. And this is, but this is also, you know, in large part because you were born into that and you believe in your heart that you're the center of the universe, so that you were born into the right thing to learn. So that uh, you, the thing that you learned sure. is the correct thing because you're on your narrative. I, right. Uh, right. I, I tweeted this thing the other day, which I thought was one of the best tweets I ever tweeted. I think it only got like four likes or something. But uh, I said that religion is just childhood trauma (laughs) i did see that tweet and i wanted to say something like uh it's also adult trauma i mean religion i think is it it, there are good things about it and there are bad things about it i'm not going to say that you know all religion is excellent i i think there are but i also want to separate religion from the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I believe wholeheartedly. But I think, I think in large part, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm being purely speculative here. I, yeah. you know, I don't know what the actual studies show for this, but, but like, um, like if you're molested as a child, you grow up and like you're, you're messed up because you've, you know, you've created, there's, there's these fears that you probably feel because your childhood trust was breached by, by this awful thing that happened to you. Yeah. And, and you spend a lot of the rest of your life trying to rectify 
the the injustice that was served to you and i think about like even even growing up jewish like i felt like a lot of religion a lot of learning judaism was was in part you know and probably less so judaism than many other religions but teaching me like like the fear of god you know and especially when you're a child who knows nothing and you're like presented with this idea of this all-powerful thing is going to damn you to hell like like that's traumatized like like i saw i remember being a kid flipping through channels at my grandpa's house when i was like staying over there one night and i had hbo in my room and i, I was flipping through channels and i just saw Devil's a tool. split i saw a split second yeah of chucky like running at someone with a knife yeah and gave me nightmares for months <laughs> yeah just from flipping through channels yeah and and it's like it's like it's like that moment of seeing chucky come at come at me with the knife and the tv yeah that was god <laughs> that was what we teach children god is so for their for their whole yeah. life there, there's this chucky doll coming at him with a knife if they don't go to church, right? Well, do you uh, feel? Do you feel like you abstinence? Do you feel uh, like you've been hoodwinked by religion? No, but I'm just I'm just saying that I that like I mean again I have I have a complicated relationship with Judaism. I, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I I, I I I I practice some of the holidays. I uh, I fast on Yom Kippur. I usually do a Passover seder. Yeah, um, I I. I end up at synagogue a number of times a year yeah uh, don't go religiously uh but um, no judgment yeah but but you know i just i definitely recognize again i think um you know i was making fun of you i think that there is a sort of narcissism to the random thing i was taught as a kid is the right thing Sure. I'm like there is there is a almost a sociopathy to like the fact that like the order of the universe is designed as a system for my experience yeah. to make sure that I learned the right thing to follow and yeah. every other person who learned something different is a test <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to lead me astray, I, I, yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying. I think it's that's part partially true, right? Um, but I, my my personal thought on God is that I don't think God. Okay, so take take someone who, first of all, I think God is going to take everybody who is honestly doing their best to be good people, regardless mm-hmm. if they're Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, like all of it, whatever it is, you know, he's going to take all of the good ones and, uh, or the atheist or the agnostic that's just trying to be a good person and they will receive God, you know, they will receive some of God's glory for sure. Um, but I do think it'll be in Mormon heaven. That's where I think everyone's <laughs> going to be. Uh, <laughs> um, I've often wondered if heaven is, you know, if like Jews get Jewish heaven, Catholics get Catholic heaven, Hindus get Hindu heaven, you know, I wonder if, and I I suppose there's some scientific evidence for everyone experiencing what they want. I very much appreciate the Buddhist philosophy of to exist is to suffer. Mm. Uh, 
and uh, it's a thing. Yeah. That I feel I feel like I've been fortunate enough to have had a minimal amount of suffering in my life, but still incalculable suffering. Sure. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, but I think that's why we have. I, for me, that's why we have religion. And it's sad to me. I have friends who were brought up in the Mormon faith who have the exact same outlook on God as a child that, that you just expressed, that God is this punisher waiting for us to mess up. And Chucky, come I, yeah, yeah. And in my <laughs> mind, that is not an accurate portrayal of any God, let alone the God that I believe in. Um, and so I, I do feel badly for people who, who are traumatized by religion and uh, a God that's taught that I think is taught incorrectly. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to plug, Josh? Mentally Al documentary. Um, it is coming out. Soon. I can't wait. I, I cannot I, wait. I, 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 w- I can't wait till I know the actual date. <laughs> but it, it will be available to you soon. Beautiful. That's when we're going to have you on the third time. When you have a date, we'll have you on. You can announce the date. Great. It'll, um, feel, it'll feel like closure. I have my podcast, Quarantine. Uh, Fantastic Seth, podcast. It's been on it three times. Yeah, yeah. Already. Yeah. Um, those episodes are all fantastic. Very like- fun. To listen to that it's like this but better uh <laughs> no actually actually i was i was just thinking to myself about about how how good i think this podcast is i don't know how it is with the other guests but whenever i'm on it I'm it's like, amazing this was a really good one yeah and uh yeah um but yeah check out quarantine follow me on twitter instagram at the edelmeister uh t-h-e-e-d-e-l-m-e-i-s-t-e-r um no underscores or spaces or anything beautiful uh, same Twitter handle, right? Same Twitter handle. Yeah. Instagram Excellent. Um, and yeah, you know, hopefully. Hopefully we can meet up in person. The world opens up within yeah. the next five months. Yeah, before we all have to go out and vote. I would say five months is, is the optimistic, realistic. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the most realistic, optimistic. Yeah. Interesting. Possible. All right, five months. Five months. That's Josh's Mayan prediction I think, here. I think five months is the opportunity for us to have like a genuine treatment and, yeah. or, and or an early vaccine. Yeah, um, yeah. So, Interesting. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to hold you to it. I, I mean, that, that's me being optimistic. <laughs> I, thank that's you so much. Thing. That's a rare thing, everybody. Josh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. And we're going to set up a third date, uh, hopefully very soon, when you know when this Mentally Al is coming out. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Later, buddy.